Having a baby is meant to be the most joyful time of your life. But for many mums and dads, it can be the hardest and at times the darkest of places. Welcome to Blue Mum Days, the podcast for anyone struggling with parenting. I'm thrilled to say we have the incredible Liz Wise with us as our guest today. Liz is a specialist PND counsellor who has been supporting mothers with postnatal depression for over 25 years, and I was one of them. I probably owe Liz my life. Her services to me were just like a complete lifeline. And I know she's helped directly two of my friends, but so many other women over the years. Having had PND herself after both her daughters, she has a wealth of personal and professional experience in helping mums understand what they're going through and most critically, helping them recover. We'll talk to Liz in another episode about her work and her role with the Cedar House Support Group. But today I'm really keen to learn about Liz's direct experience of the illness. Thanks for joining us today, Liz. Thank you, Vicky, for asking me to uh, to be your first guest. I feel very, very honoured, so thank you. I'm absolutely delighted to have you here, Liz, because you are the, I, I don't know whether this is a good thing, the queen of PND. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's something that you you aspire to be, but you, you're an absolute goddess when it comes to helping women in need and you've dedicated your life to helping others. But I think what's going to be really important to discuss and explore in this episode is your own experience. So can you start off by telling me how you felt about your pregnancy, how you went into the pregnancy? Sure. um, First of all. Before I was pregnant with Emma, a couple of years before, I had a very rare pregnancy called a molar pregnancy, which I I think affects about one in 20,000 women. I was 24 at the time, hadn't been married that long. I was told and I was 10 weeks pregnant that there was no fetus, so I wasn't actually going to have a baby. I had this very rare condition and I would have to have a DNC more or less immediately. So I did. And then unfortunately, I was also told that 10% of these molar pregnancies become malignant and I would have to be tested regularly to, to see whether this condition was going to affect me. And unfortunately, it did. So I basically I had a, a, a type of cancer called choriocarcinoma and I spent a lot of time in Charing Cross Hospital having chemotherapy for it and then after I finished my treatment I had to wait a, a year before I tried to conceive again. So my pregnancy with Emma was obviously so so wanted absolutely because I'd been through that terrible trauma a couple of years beforehand. So When I found out I was pregnant, I actually found out through the hospital because they were testing my HCG levels very regularly and they called me to ask me if I could be pregnant. And I said, yes, I could be. And they said, well, we think you are and we're going to bring you in for an early scan. And to my and my husband's delight, we were pregnant with wonderful Emma. Uh, Of course, I didn't know she was going to be a girl at the time. And I have to say, I had a very, very easy, straightforward pregnancy with her. And I actually felt um, physically and emotionally probably the best I'd ever felt, funnily enough. Highly excited, but obviously I think, I wasn't really aware at the time, but I had underlying anxieties of, you know, what had happened with my pregnancy before and could it possibly happen again so I was scanned a lot during during Emma's pregnancy and this is you know many years ago now it's 35 years ago 
So they kept a very close eye on me. And then when she was born, she was, what, five days late. I had a very easy labour as well and a pretty straightforward delivery. So very, very excited we both were. However, as soon as I gave birth to her, I felt absolutely disconnected from her. I sort of looked at her and thought, in inverted commas, so what? I didn't have that sort of rush of love that I thought I was going to have. I didn't feel excited like I thought I was going to. Uh, And I couldn't really understand it because when I left school, I trained as a nursery nurse. I'm a really maternal person and I'd been desperate because of what I'd been through um, to have this much, much wanted baby. I had pethidin quite sort of long into my labour, not, you know, actually probably only about half an hour before Emma was born. So I put it down to that. I thought, oh, maybe it was something to do with that drug and maybe it's affected my mood kind of thing. But as the hours went by, I started feeling highly anxious and it was an anxiety I hadn't really felt before. I didn't really know what it was about. And because I'd looked after so many babies and young children before, okay, I'd never had my own baby, but I I just couldn't understand why I was feeling so rough. So anyway, I left hospital, um, I think a couple of days later, and I went home and I said to my husband, I'm really not feeling well at all. Emma was born on a Sunday. And I think that week, I just, every day, I felt worse. I was really struggling with breastfeeding. She wasn't latching on properly, and it was very painful. And and I'm a very sort of outgoing social person, and I just didn't want to see anybody. You know, I was having loads and loads of phone calls from people so delighted to hear about the birth of Emma and can we come and meet her. And I just wanted to sort of withdraw into a shell. And again, that to me was just alien to me to feel like that then I remember my husband and I we went shopping for some clothes for him on the Thursday and I was in mother care choosing what to buy and I just had a panic attack which I'd never experienced before I just felt dreadful and said to him I've got to go home I couldn't make a decision I didn't know what I was doing so I went home then come the following Monday I made an appointment to go to the GP and went down and, and said to him really all my feelings And he was marvellous. I mean, this was back in 1986. He said to me, I think, Liz, you've got postnatal depression. And he did actually say it's not really surprising with what you've been through. You had an awful trauma connected to a pregnancy, you know, a couple of years ago. So it's not surprising you feel like this. He advised me to take some antidepressants, which I did. And I took them for three or four weeks and they made me feel far worse. My anxiety was through the roof. My mood was through the floor. And I kept going back and back. And then, you know, I mean, I used to look at Emma and think she was absolutely lovely, but I just couldn't feel any feelings of love for her. And I just couldn't understand what was going on. I thought, well, maybe I've made a mistake in having her because I, you know, I I always was very connected to the little children I nannied for. I did a stint at Great Ormond Street Hospital and, you know, became quite attached to, to children on the ward and stuff. And I just was really, really struggling with my lack of feelings. So I didn't want to, you know, do anything to her, like harm her or anything. Did but I did sometimes feel that it would be better if she was taken away from me. Really? Oh, I was yeah. going to say, how did that make you feel knowing that you supposedly and, and you'd expected to have those feelings and they weren't coming? Did that make you feel even worse about yourself as a mother? How did you perceive yourself? 
I perceive myself as, well, in terms of what I could do for her practically, I was okay. So I continued to breastfeed her, even though it was a real struggle for me. But I just thought, well, if I gave that up, then I'd be a complete failure. So I continued with that because I knew, you know, I thought it was best for her. And I thought, you know, with the bonding thing, ultimately would help. I didn't really sort of look at myself as a bad mother. It was all consuming about how, just how awful I felt in myself, so depressed and anxious. And then I would overcompensate because of my lack of feeling for her. So I would... I think from about the age she was six weeks old, I used to have this nightly regime before I put her to bed of sort of, I decorated her nursery with sort of number charts and colour charts and farmyard animals. And I would go through at least half an hour so pointing all these things out to her. And then I'd read her a bedtime story. And that was my way of saying, right, I'm doing as much as I can for this little girl because I can't actually feel those feelings. And I remember when Emma got to GCSEs, she did incredibly well. And I always said to her, that's because I had PND and I put you through that learning <laughs> regime <laughs> for about six weeks old. That all paid off. <laughs> it sounds like your GP was incredibly on it because I think especially back then I mean my my mum also had PND as well as myself having it and I think she was very much poo-pooed by GPs at the time this was in the 60s and 70s how did you feel when he said the words postnatal depression what did you understand that meant well I was aware of it because I think I read about it before and I was really delighted that he put a label on me because at least I thought I thought I was losing my mind I thought I was having a personality change at one stage I thought I had schizophrenia my thought processes were so different to how they usually were and I remember a friend of mine asking me once how I felt and I couldn't even tell her because I didn't have any concept of how I felt and I had to ask my husband to answer her question as the months went by I got far worse And I really thought probably the only way out of this dark hole that I'm in was to take my own life. So I spoke to my GP about those feelings and said, this is how bad I'm feeling. He was he was brilliant because he knew it was really out of his sort of remit then. So he he referred me to a, a psychiatrist who was based at Queen Charlotte's Maternity Hospital in West London at the time, specifically for women with PND. Dr Oppenheimer and I seriously owe my life to that woman she she was marvelous she changed my antidepressants she put me on some hormone treatment which was recommended in the 80s and she was always there for me I used to have a lot of intrusive thoughts that I couldn't talk to anybody else about because I didn't think they'd understand and I used to go to those appointments thinking right if I tell her now that I've had this thought she's going to say well actually you haven't just got postnatal depression you've got something else and you're probably going to have to go to hospital. I was terrified of sharing my feelings but when I did share my feelings she normalized them for me and she was there to say this is fine if you're having thoughts like that it's because you've got PND. So as the months went by I you know, I got better and better. And I remember the first time when I really felt that warmth towards Emma, she was probably coming up for a year old. 
and I sort of looked at her. I remember a classic. I was at my mother-in-law's and Emma was pushing a little baby walker around the room. And I just looked at her and I felt that, that, wow, this is my little girl. And I really do love her. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing this because it's not easy going back and talking about those experiences. I think so many women out there will be totally resonating with what you're saying. And especially the women that are out there feeling very isolated and alone, you know, possibly frightened by the experiences they're having at the moment. So this is hugely reassuring. It's wonderful hearing you talking about this psychiatrist and how she helped you if she was here on this zoom call what would you want to say to her oh I'd say a million thank yous a million times over unfortunately she's not she's not in this world anymore but um not only did she save my life and um was there for me all the time but she because of her I think I created a career out of what were two very 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 negative experiences for me after both Emma and Holly so yeah if I could if it wasn't for Covid I'd give her a massive hug. Oh well do you know what I I am part of the Cedar House alumni and we would love to do the same to you Liz because you have passed on that legacy to so many women I've you know but we'll talk about that in a future episode about all the incredible work you've been doing for Cedar House. But I just wonder what sort of support did you have around you at the time and how did your partner react when you had that diagnosis? Did he understand what that meant and how you were feeling? I think he understood as much as he could. I think unless you've been through any mental health issue, it's very difficult to understand, you know, what someone's actually going through. But he was really supportive. He used to come with me sometimes to some of my appointments. He's a very laid back man. Uh, a very good listener so yeah he he was he was my rock going through it absolutely there were very few people I opened up to after Emma because I felt too guilty too ashamed and I felt that people just wouldn't understand but when I had it after Holly I opened up far more to other people about it that brings us very neatly onto the fact you you went on to have another child your lovely daughter Holly and That must have been a very hard thing because I know speaking from my experience, I found PND so painful and alarming that the thought of having another child within a few years, just I I couldn't face it. So how did you feel going into another pregnancy? Well, I knew that I wanted to have another child. We both did, but also I wanted Emma to have a sibling. So I went into it with quite an open mind. But I did seek help for preventative treatment before I had Holly. So I contacted um, another wonderful lady, actually, called Katerina Dalton, who's not with us anymore, too. And she was um, working in a London clinic. And it was her theory that postnatal depression was caused by women that had a very high level of progesterone during their pregnancy and with a massive drop of progesterone at delivery caused a chemical imbalance in the brain. So her regime was to treat with progesterone injections for a week after delivery and then progesterone suppositories until you either stop breastfeeding or until you started menstruating again. So I went to see her. Pregnancy really felt really well, incredibly easy labor and delivery with Holly as well. In fact, easier and quicker than Emma's. Um, and so I had this injection as soon as Holmes was born, but I, I bonded with her. I felt that when she was handed to me, I felt that I wouldn't say it was an overwhelming rush of love, but I felt 
very elated and very excited about this new baby. So I could really compare the difference. So I had these injections for a week and I was feeling really good. And then they stopped on Thursday night. I'll never forget. My husband came to the sitting room and said to me, what do you want for supper, Liz? And I said, I'm not at all hungry. And I thought, hmm this isn't right, this isn't like me type of thing. And I woke up on the Friday morning feeling absolutely low mood and high anxiety again. So I went straight to the doctors and she prescribed me the same antidepressants that I had before. But this time, my hook of anxiety wasn't about the fact that I wasn't bonding with my child. It was about my fear of my own health so a massive fear of cancer which in retrospect obviously came from my own experience of having cancer two years before Emma was born but my father unfortunately was diagnosed with terminal lung cancer when I was six months pregnant with Holly and he subsequently died when Holly was six months old so you know if I had a headache I had a brain tumor if I had a pain in my breast I had breast cancer if I had a pain in my right side I had liver cancer I was constantly going to the doctor and asking for different blood tests and scans and things and it was very evident that this was how my postnatal anxiety was manifesting itself so again back on the antidepressants back to see a psychiatrist and I had quite a lot of CBT as well which really helped and in time all that passed and you know, I made a full recovery just as I did after Emma. I can categorically say that, you know, I haven't got to the age of nearly 63 without experiencing a lot of different experiences and some crises in my life. So just to put this illness into it perspective, those were two isolated episodes of postnatal depression and anxiety, which I'd never had before and touch wood, I've never had anything like it since. But I have also had two cancers. I had that cancer when I was 24, when I was 49. I had a, a total hysterectomy, not to do with cancer, I would say. But four months later, I was diagnosed with grade three bowel cancer. So again, a lot of chemotherapy for that. I've lost two of my best friends in their 40s. I lost my dad, of course, and then nearly eight years ago, I lost my mother. Been through a divorce. I've had some rough times, but in all those times, I never became depressed. So I would say my, and I would say a lot of the girls that I work with, they're isolated episodes of, of depression and anxiety. I think that's incredibly important to to get across to people. And I, I know when I experienced postnatal depression, I'd always worry about like, if I feel like this and the world's meant to be, it's the most happy I, I should be in my life. Everything's going right. I've got a lovely husband. I've got a wonderful son. I'm healthy. And I feel like this, how am I going to cope when things go really wrong? Mm -hmm. I, it's incredible remembering how it was when I first went to Cedar, Cedar House Group. And you talked about those awful experiences you've been through. And I'm, I'm so sorry that you've had so many tough times, but how the PND and that experience was potentially harder mm -hmm. to go through than all of, all of that. And that really sort of brought it home how terribly devastating the illness can be for people. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and in fact, I would just say for any anybody that's listening that does have that sort of awful fear of being unwell after their baby, you know, whether it be a fear of cancer or a heart attack or whatever, for me, that fear of having cancer, I can only speak personally, of course, was far worse than actually having cancer itself. Wow, that's incredible to hear. And thank you so much for, for being so honest. And like I was saying at the very beginning of the podcast, if 
any of the things we're discussing today are triggering for you, please reach out, please listen with discretion and please seek help if you need to, because that is the best way to to get better. So Liz, sort of now looking back, can you see any positives going through such a horrible experience? (laughs) Yeah, I don't see any negatives, apart from the fact it was so negative for me at the time. But looking back, I wouldn't be without it. Absolutely not. It taught me so much about myself. It gave me so much more compassion for other people. It gave me such a huge understanding of other people and what they're going through. I think, no, I, I... I mean, it's given me a career for nearly the last 30 years. So thank you, postnatal depression, for doing that. The one that, you know, apart from bringing up my own daughters, it's been the most satisfying, I don't even call it a job, vocation to to help women from rock bottom come to full recovery. Really, really rewarding. So no, I don't. It has ultimately been a very, very positive experience for me. And if you were to sort of look back, if you could travel back in time and speak to Liz, who was going through that at the time, what would you say to yourself? I would say, hang on in there. Don't do anything daft because you will get better. It takes time and, you know, open up. Don't be afraid of talking about it with other people, people that you trust. Seek help. And uh, yeah, you'll definitely come out the other side and probably feel a lot stronger for it wow that's been so powerful to hear hear your experiences and your your memories and also the fact you're able to sort of look back with such wisdom now you're incredibly inspiring Liz and I for one feel grateful for having had PND to have met you and uh benefited from your experience and your wisdom and your compassion and your kindness I'm so thrilled that you agreed to come on this this podcast We are so honoured to have your daughter, Emma, with us. Thank you so much uh, for agreeing to be part of this as well, Emma, because I think it's so important, especially for any mums out there who are suffering from bonding issues or have mixed feelings towards their baby. It's so important, I think, to hear from you and hear what a fantastic experience you have with your mum and how it hasn't scarred you for life which is something the health visitors tell you is going to happen how would you describe your mum what does she mean to you my mum's amazing I mean you've said it yourself like she's an amazing woman and um, all of the things that she does for other people are absolutely incredible and it's the same with her as a mother you know she's very kind caring always thinks about me and Holly first. She's generous. She's very funny, very perceptive. And she's, you know, she's one of my best friends. Like, there's no doubt about that. I'd say I was thinking a little bit about it before. And I think that one of the key things to be about mum is that she's, I feel like she's this like constant presence in my life. She's like a stabiliser, like she's just here like all the time. And I feel like no matter what happens in my life, whether I'm like up here or down there, like I can always like come back to her and she'll always help me. Wow, that's, you know, she's a rock to so many people. I don't know where she gets the energy from because that must be (laughs) incredibly draining. So how would you define your your childhood? Any particular memories that that spring to mind? Yeah, um, my childhood, I would say, was, was lovely and what I would consider to be 
yeah, pretty straightforward, normal childhood. I was born in, in Isleworth in West London with my mum and dad. And then we moved down to Guildford when I was about, I don't know, one or two probably. And then mum got pregnant with Holly and had Holly when I was about nearly three years old. Yeah, it was lovely. I mean, I always felt like my parents were there to support me and everything I did. I loved gymnastics when I was little. I did it since I was like two years old through to when I was a teenager. And mum would always be there. Mum and dad would always be there sitting on those hard wooden benches watching me do my floor routines and clapping whether I did well or didn't do well. We used to play lots of silly little games when I was little. Mum had this fantastic magic sweet trick that she'd play when my friends would come round where we pretend to bake a cake and then suddenly it would somehow go up in flames and it'd be full of sweets. And <laughs> that sounds incredible. <laughs> oh, it was. It was absolutely <laughs> magic. <laughs> and I wasn't aware of mum having PND. I don't have any actual memory of that. Even I would say after Holly was born, I don't have any real memories of, of course, I remember like not so positive things about my childhood like I remember my parents arguing occasionally you know I remember crying or having arguments with my sister but I don't remember being aware of mum being ill. How was it sort of broached because obviously you're speaking you know with incredible knowledge of of your mum's experiences with postnatal depression. When did you discover and how did you discover that your mum had suffered from the illness? To be honest, I don't remember because it was never a thing that was like broached. It was just, it was introduced at like such an early age and things were spoken about. Like, I don't feel like it was something that was hidden away. It's just something that I don't have real strong memories of. I've always been aware of it because it's a part of life. Like things that happen to you like that and mental health issues and negative experiences are something that I wear as much were very much normalized to me as a child and I feel like PND was just part of that of that experience and mum has always been very open and honest with me at a young age about a whole range of different issues like we spoke I don't know about sex when I was like five or six or something <laughs> but from a from Rebecca from a very natural way you know like the curiosity of the child that just led to those kind of conversations and I imagine it was probably something similar with PND. I, I don't know. Mum might remember better than me. <laughs> do, do you remember, Liz? Do you, do you remember uh, sort of sitting her down or...? The girls would say, well, why are those ladies coming, Mum, to talk to you? And I'd say, because they haven't felt very well after they're having their babies. So they're coming to help each other. So it was just a very natural, like Emma says, just a very natural thing that was never hidden away. And I guess when Emma got slightly older, I told her a bit more about, you know my sort of lack of feelings for her when she was born and, you know, how unwell I was. And I remember her saying to me, well, that doesn't matter, Mum, you know, it doesn't matter at all. You were unwell and, you know, there was nothing you could have done about it. And, you know, I, I wouldn't have known that. And of course you wouldn't have known that as a baby. You know, I cared for her, fed her well and changed her and did this ridiculous, you know, overstimulating her. Or something. <laughs> and you've actually gone on to do quite well for yourself, haven't you, Emma? <laughs> I don't know it depends how you define that I suppose. <laughs> I'm a virologist so I research viruses. I work at the University of Surrey, worked on a whole host of different viruses in my career including SARS-CoV-2. I completed my PhD last year so I guess all that reading out of alphabets when I was 
some weeks <laughs> off, paid off in an academic sense. So you, you'll have had a, a busy year this past year. Yeah, very busy. Yeah, I went to work in the NHS for four months when lockdown one happened and our university closed. So, yeah, fortunate to um, experience some rewarding work very much in a similar way to mum, I suppose. Oh, incredible. And uh, yeah, I mean, the nation is thankful to you and everybody else that works in the NHS. But it's it's really interesting, actually, you talking about how you had knowledge growing up about, you know, mental health issues or d- depression. And it's very interesting because I'm my son Stanley's now coming up to nine and I've never actually had the conversation with him because he knows I'm doing this podcast I'd imagine he probably would just go oh yeah I know it's interesting because you 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 want to be the perfect mum whatever that is but actually I think admitting vulnerabilities and frailties and normalizing the conversation around sometimes your mental fitness or well-being isn't so good you're not feeling emotionally well at the moment I think there's a lot to be said actually about having those conversations with with children because they realize that life isn't just an even keel and I think if they become more aware of their own emotional regulation it will help them that there's a massive pandemic in terms of children's mental health I think it was happening before covid pressures of the world and social media and peer pressure and uncertainties like climate change I think this has all had an effect on the well-being of our young people. And Emma, I think it's really, really important to speak to mums who are listening to this at home now who may be worrying about the impact that their postnatal depression has on their child. What would you say to them? I think in addition to like pointing out that obviously it's completely natural to feel worried that it is going to negatively impact your child I mean hopefully it's some relief to hear that I don't personally feel like I've been negatively impacted by mum having postnatal depression in any way and in fact I'd say actually it's the opposite and there's a number of different actually really positive aspects that I think that I've benefited from from mum's horrible experience of having PNDs crazy as that sounds I've always been aware and able to discuss my feelings and emotions and I think that that was something that I was brought up to do probably in a you know that is mum's personality you know regardless however I think that having had that experience of PND perhaps made that more prominent maybe in the way that she chose to raise me and I think also now I'm older particularly I feel like I've always been aware of like the challenges of having a family as well as like the positive aspects. So I've always seen when I start having my own family that that would be like a balance. It's prepared me more for that experience having listened to what mum has been through and the other women that that she's helped along the way. Having experienced mum having PND and having her spoken about it for from such an early age has just completely normalized for me talking about my feelings and how I'm doing and that has been something that's like carried through our relationship to this day like mum's very perceptive and is always able to have like conversations with me about how I'm doing and even sometimes when I don't actually realize that I'm not doing that well like this autumn just gone a few months after I'd finished working at the hospital and I'd 
gone back to work at the university and I felt like really burnt out, but I didn't really realize that was happening until one day I came home from work and something that had happened at work, which actually on the outside was really minor, but in my head during my commute home had blown up into this absurdly over the top situation that I was never going to get out of. And I told mum about it that night. We had like a video chat, didn't we? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I explained how I was feeling and mum was able to say to me like, this isn't right. Like this isn't you, you don't need to be worried about this. Like you need to do something to help yourself. And I think if she hadn't said that, like I wouldn't have done it because I was in such like a place of, oh God, I just feel awful. But having mum say like, oh, you need to do this. It was like something I could like grab and like make an action out of it. So that made it more achievable. And actually I contacted the counseling service at the university and I had like a session with them and I started doing a bit of meditation and started doing the things that I knew would make a difference for me and I went from feeling like really really low that week to two weeks later feeling so much better and it was like a really short turnaround like I've had periods of anxiety in my life previously and that just having mum just say that like made made a massive difference in that one particular instance and I think because we spoke about it before perhaps I'd hit like oh I'm I'm getting into crisis now that made a big big difference so in a very convoluted way (laughs) I feel that our relationship has been made stronger probably by mum having PND not not weaker. I think this is so comforting for for women out there to hear this because there's a huge amount of guilt and shame attached to having postnatal depression attached to feelings of not being the perfect mother and actually it just goes to show that you are not to blame it's not something that you asked for And also it is not going to scar your children for life. It's not going to hold you back. You're not always going to be like this. And I think it's so important to let mums out there know that you're in good company. There are so many women out there who are feeling just like you do right now. But there are also women who have been there, myself and Liz included, who felt absolute, you know, rock bottom. But we got through it. And I know when I was going through it, I thought this was going to be my life for the rest of my life. And I couldn't see any sense of future or hope. But here I am, you know, my son's happy and kooky and funny. He's nine years old. And if I can get through it, you can too. Liz, have you got any other final messages to women? Not as Liz, Queen of PND, counsellor, head of Cedar House charity but as as Liz the mum who went through it twice yeah I think just to reiterate really what Emma said it is you know something that obviously it has to affect you and it does affect families but as you say Vicky it's not forever you do come out of it you do learn things from it and I see that a lot with the girls in my groups you know how much they learn about themselves during their journey and also I look at the relationships they have with their children which are really 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 strong and I think that's really important to to know that there is a massive myth around postnatal depression that if you have postnatal depression it's going to mess up your relationship with your children to me that's not the case you know I've never seen that really in any of the girls that have come through the groups so you know although you're feeling it at the time when you come out the other side you'll see that that's not the case so Thank you so much for joining me today, Liz. Thank you so much, Emma. And I think sort of hearing Emma's perspective is particularly important. And it's something that 
I hope on Blue Mum Days we can talk to the children of mums who have been through it just to reassure that the relationships they have with their mum and the way they perceive their mum is totally unaffected by the illness and uh, you can get through this. I hope you found this an uplifting and informative session and thanks again to Liz and Emma for your time. Can I just say Emma thank you for being such a wonderful daughter. Thank you for being such a wonderful mum. I can't say thank you enough, mum. And I'm so, so proud of you for everything that you've done and all of the women that you've helped in your career. Like, I think doing things like this and when I come to the Cedar House fundraising events and meet the women that you're helping, it makes me feel just amazed. Like, I know how amazing you are, but it just brings to the fore, like, how much incredible work you're doing and seeing how changed those people are by what you're doing for them is really inspiring and makes me very proud of you sorry you've just made me totally well up you two (laughs) (laughs) but it's it's absolutely true I mean I I was so fortunate that I was able to go to uh Liz's support group on Fridays and it was the lifeline that kept me going throughout the week I know it was for all the other women sorry I'm I'm talking very, very nasally now because I'm feeling quite emotional but It absolutely was. It was the safe space that you could go to where you could express yourself without any sense of judgment or feelings of shame. And it was so reassuring to sort of be with other women that were like, yes, me too. And throughout Liz's guidance and her reassurance that, you know, you're not going mad, that these are all common sort of experiences of the illness. It just normalized it. And this is what I'm hoping to do with this podcast, that in some way sprinkle a little bit of the Liz magic to to women who aren't lucky enough to, to go to her support groups directly and to offer a sense of hope that you're going to get better. You are going to get better. Things will be better. And tomorrow will be a better day and it will keep happening. You know, it's not a linear path. It isn't straight upwards. There'll be sort of two steps forward, one step back. You absolutely will get through it. And with time, you will probably, like Liz and like myself and like Emma too, look back and think that postnatal depression has actually brought a different and in some spaces a positive perception certainly in terms of like, you know, making you more empathetic to other people and to other mums. Bloody hell. Now, when I look at mums, I just keep wanting to go and say, you're doing a bloody brilliant job because it's hard. It's really hard. And PND can be a bitch. (laughs) That's not running down my nose throughout. (laughs) I think, yeah, you really got me, Liz, because, you know, what you were saying was just so, so heartfelt and uh, so emotional so thank you for being so honest and and brave and generous with you know talking about your experiences if you enjoy this episode of blue mum days please rate and subscribe it only takes a minute but it genuinely makes a difference to how many people can find it which means helping more parents in need thank you